Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. We have one of our favorite people in the whole world with us today. Her name is Fran Hauser. Fran is a, an author. She wrote an amazing book a few years ago, which caught my eye, The Myth of the Nice Girl. Mm-hmm. And Fran is an angel investor. She supports women's businesses, has invested in over 30 of them, I think. She was also the digital head of Time magazine, if I'm correct about that. There is a an illustrious career. But the thing I love most about Fran is that she believes in kindness and she believes in that as a, uh, a method for getting ahead, not only in life, but in your career. And she has a new book out. So Fran, thank you for joining us again. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much. I think this might be my third time on with you. Back. I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. I just keep coming back. We're all <laughs> we're buddies now. Before we go on, we talk about all of our family stuff and what's going on. And then after, then we put our professional hats on. Yes. Here we well, are. Now we're going to be professional. professional. Look out. We're so professional. (laughs) So you started out, not started out, but in the author world a few years ago with the myth of the nice girl. And now you have a new book out, which I love. It's called Embrace the Work, Love Your Career. Yay. But you know what I love about this? It's a workbook. So tell us how you went from what, you know, what that idea was Let's talk a little bit about The Myth of the Nice Girl, because it's one of my favorite books, and then how you came up with the workbook. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. Like, I, I almost feel like more of an emotional connection to The Myth of the Nice Girl now that my second book has come out. I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure why. Um, maybe because it was my first. Um, and, you know, that book was really meant for all of the women in my life who had such a hard time reconciling the fact that I was nice and that I was also successful. You know, I would always get asked these questions like, how can you be so nice and still be successful? And so I really wanted to debunk that myth, you know, like this myth that nice girls don't get the corner office. And if you're too nice at work, you're not going to get ahead. And so that's really what that book was, was, you know, intended for. It's what it was all about it did really well. You know, it, it, it was Audible's top business book um, of the year for 2018, which was amazing. Wow. Um, I know. I don't know if you guys know that. That was, I did know. Yeah. I'm so proud of. Um, and it's been translated into six languages, um, including oh. Ukraine. So I'm oh, for women wonderful. on social media um, that have read the book, the Ukrainian version of the book, um, and are telling me how much it means to them, which is just amazing. Wow. Um, And then fast forward, you know, four years later, my new book, Embrace the Work, Love Your Career, I came up with the idea for this book really just about a year ago, um, in kind of in the middle of the pandemic. And so many of my friends were struggling, you know, trying to figure out their career path, their purpose, 
we're all going through this existential crisis where we're questioning the meaning of everything in our lives. Um, and I was also seeing like the millions of women that were leaving the workforce. So I really wanted to create something for them, you know, for, for women who needed to do a little bit of a reset and just really kind of figure out like, how can they find joy again in their work and in their career? And Mary Fran, I love that I ended up going with the workbook format. You know, it was just, it was so much fun to work on because it's not just about the words. The design is really important. The user interface is really important. Um, and I really think it turned out beautifully. You know, it's in four color, it's illustrated, there are writing prompts, there are meditations, coloring breaks, you know, it feels very holistic. Um, and so far, you know, I've gotten a, a really nice response to it. So it's, it's been, it's been amazing. You know, I love that it's a workbook because, mm -hmm. and what you're saying that is in it, because so many times our self-help books become the shelf help books, or, you know, they sit there because they're, you don't have time to read it or whatever you had good intentions, or you read something. If you're like me, read it, read it, read it, or listen to the audiobook. And then if I, if I can't make it, I take notes. Now they laugh at me at the gym. Fran, because I have it, I'll go on the exercise bike or something and I'm taking notes in my little notebook while I'm listening because I, I need to retain it and make it practical. And the fact that you've done that for me so I can, it's all about making it practical, right? Because if we don't do it, put it in practice, then what are you going to well, do? Also, and when you, when you write, like when you're physically writing, you're more likely to remember, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're more likely to really retain the information. So, um, I agree. Like, I really love that part that it's, it's almost like I, I say, it's like, you're the author of your own career by going through this book, you know, because it's, it's really allowing you to do the reflecting um, and the analysis and to take notes. And then a lot of the worksheets are available on my website so that, you know, if you want to come back, like there's a career action plan that you create in the book. Um, you know, that's something that you're going to want to update every once in a while. So the fact that you can then go onto my website, download the worksheet. So it, it all kind of works together. I really love the, uh, one of the things that you talk about is that what you've said is that you, you've spoken to many, many, many women and mentored many women over the years. And to Kristen's point about the, the shelf help books, the, the philosophies, the concepts, the ideas are all very valid, but you said that you kept hearing women say, tell me how, mm -hmm. like, tell me how to do this. It's yes. Yeah. I, I know all this sounds good, but at the same, at the same to the same point, telling someone how, but then having them apply that to themselves very often in that self-help world, we, we get these concepts, but you're giving people an opportunity to really do the reflection. And that's one of the, the pieces of this that you have is reflect and reset. Yes. No, I, I, I love that you mentioned that. Um, also, I feel like we're all so pressed for time. So, mm -hmm. you know, if, if a woman buys this book, they're spending $20 on the book, right? But they're investing hours. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I'm very respectful of that, you know, because I know how busy we all are and how much we have on our plates. So I really want for women to walk away from this book feeling like, okay, I have a plan, you know, and, and here's, this is, this is exactly what I'm going to do. Like, these are the areas that I'm going to focus on. Um, you know, these are my action items, my next steps. I just, I think it's really important to move beyond the inspiration and the mm -hmm. mindset and, and really move 
to action. Um, and a lot of that does come back to this idea of like, we're all pressed for time. So I wanted to make it really meaningful and actionable. Well, and you know, one of the, the core elements of living brilliantly resilient is the control the controllables. And you're showing people that, yes, everyone seems to be in that, well, the world happens to me and I have no control. And when you do, you're helping people take control of what they can control and make a plan through it. Can I just tell you, like, I've been thinking a lot about this because I have really good friends who have written amazing books that, you know, in the women's empowerment space that are really more about systemic change. Like what can companies do? What can organizations do? What can our, our government do? Academia, right? Like, and I'm so respectful of those books. So like, I, I, you know, and I love that they're, they're really trying to like make systemic change and and advocate. Um, And we need those books. This book though is very different. Kristen, it's Mm -hmm. exactly what you said. This book is more about like, what do you have control over? Mm -hmm. Right? Because yes, all that other stuff needs to get fixed. There is a lot that needs to get fixed. There is, you know, plenty of, there are plenty of issues and challenges and inequities, but what can you do, right? Like, let's move beyond the blame and like complaining. What do you have control over? And that's very much the way that I've led my life. You know, like, I love that phrase. Um, you know, if you don't like it, do something about it. Or yeah. if you don't like it, like, so, mm-hmm. so I think that that's a, a core kind of theme of, of this book and really of the myth of the nice girl too. Well, and I think the idea, I think one of the, th- the downsides of books that point out these huge, large problems is that you can feel overwhelmed. And, and frankly, you can feel hopeless. You can feel like, well, what am I going to do about that? And, and I guess at the end of the day, the fact of the matter is maybe nothing in terms of the whole system. But you, again, you have control over your own reactions and your own actions. And that's all anybody really has control over. So pointing that out, first of all, but then giving them an opportunity to go, all right, so what does that mean to me in terms of really reflecting? And I love that you talk about reflecting because we are so busy that we end up reacting. Yes. Yes. And it's so true. A lot of the exercises, and I'll share one, um, you know, are, are really about reflecting. Like there's, there's one exercise that I love that I've done at several different times, like throughout my career, when I'm feeling a little stuck or I'm feeling like I'm getting that itch, like that I want to do, you know, I'm ready to do something else. Or so what I do is I look at my calendar for the last couple of months and I pick out the meetings or the experiences or the events that put a smile on my face. And Mm -hmm. I do the work to like really figure out like, what was it about that experience that was so fulfilling? You know, was it the type of problem that I was solving? You know, was it the people that I was working with? Um, was it the skills that I was using? Because when you do that kind of reflection, you can really kind of lean into what are the parts of my current job that I really enjoy? Mm. You know, and is there a way to do more of that? Like, I remember when I was at Time Inc. and I was, I'd been there for eight years and I was starting to get that itch and I did this exercise, what I realized was that I really loved meeting the startup founders. You know, that was a big part 
of my job because we were always trying to figure out like, how do we partner? You know, we had these big brands, time, people, fortune and style, you know, how do we partner with startups? So I really loved that part of my, my job. And I ended up talking to my boss about how can I do more of that? Mm-hmm. And we came up with this idea of creating an innovation lab for the company that I would run. Um, and that kind of kept me excited and motivated and interested for a couple more years before I eventually left to be a startup investor. And that's not what I've been doing for eight years, right? But this idea of just like, instead of just focusing on what's not working for you, because it's so easy to go there, it's so easy to go to the negative, doing that reflective work to figure out like, are there parts of your job that that are actually working for you, that are enjoyable? Is there a way to do more of that either in your current job or someplace else? Um, so I think that's like a really good, practical example. I love that. I love that idea of going back in a calendar because so many times our calendar is our check, 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 done, 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 you know, and once it's done, we, we never look at it again, but that is a brilliant way to look back and go, that was really fun. What did I like about that? You know, and when we say reflecting, we're, it's, it's a very concrete way to not turn reflecting into navel gazing where you're like, oh, I wasn't happy and blah, blah, blah. It's a, it's a very practical way to say what, what juiced me up about that. Mm-hmm. So I love that going back to the calendar and, and looking through it. That's brilliant. I love that too. You know, I learned how important reflecting was in the beginning of my divorce when I, I was so, everything was just, I was in such a pit. I couldn't get out of it. And I ended up saying to myself, when was I the happiest? What was I doing? Because I needed something to do to take my mind off. And it was playing. It was when I discovered soccer at like 10 years old when I fell in love with soccer. And I, to this day, will kick a soccer ball around two, three times a week to get back to happy Kristen. And I'm telling you, Fran, the stuff that I, the problems I solve in that, if it's 20 minutes of kicking it around 30 minutes and the ideas that come just from being back to happy, Kristen, I look like a freak in my town because there's all the kids and I'm in the hockey rink. I don't care. I solve all my problems. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love, I love the idea of looking back to your childhood, you know, and, and really thinking about like, like, what did you enjoy doing as a child, you know, and how can yeah. you bring some of that into, um, your adult life, you know, whether it was play or whether like, for me, I loved reading, you know, I I always like, I literally can like visualize myself in my bedroom as a a young girl, you know, sitting like on the floor with the, you know, my back up against the bed and getting engrossed in, you know, just a really great story. Um, And I just, and reading and books are just such a big part of my life. And, you know, for me, it's like, it's really a form of meditation because you're, I'm so focused when I'm reading, that's all that I'm focused on is the story and I'm not getting distracted by other things. So being able to, um, to tap into that, you know, really think about like what soccer, that's like, that's amazing. I love we talk that. about that um, in, in reference to these transferable skills idea. And we talk about, you know, the basis of your brilliance does have its roots in your childhood. At that point, you're having fun, but you are also building these skills that you can transfer into your adulthood. And too many times we compartmentalize things, you know, that's childhood. This was my teenage years. This was my, you know, and we don't, we don't join those experiences. But I think to your point about reflecting and even going back as far as childhood, that is where we can find some of our brilliance and those things that drive us. Yeah. 
And I think there's like this resurgence. I don't, I don't know if, if you all are seeing it, but um, I have a couple of friends that are working on new businesses that are all about play, mm-hmm. you know, as adults um, and creating experiences that allow us to play. And really cool. I'm getting I'm getting really good at Legos and Play-Doh. I'm just going to put that out there with, with your eight and a half grandchildren. I'm I am really good, like competition level. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm going to no, Lego Masters. And I think that's where your creativity comes back when you can. I, I was losing my mind a couple of weeks ago. I said to my daughter, I just need to go out front on the lawn and have a catch. Are you doing anything right now? And she was like, okay. And we found the gloves in the garage and we were just throwing the ball back and forth for like 20 minutes. And then it was just like, I don't know. Then there's just this nice way you take a breath and reset as opposed to getting in the car, going to the gym and all that. We were just like, just play for a little bit. Yeah, that's great. And you know what? And it just, it makes it so much more doable. There's, it goes back, Mary Fran, to what you were saying about being overwhelmed. You know, when you think about, oh, having to get into the car, having to get ready, blah, blah, blah. It just becomes like a whole thing Mm -hmm. um, versus just go out in the backyard, (laughs) go on the trampoline. Whenever my boys like need to get their energy out, you know, it's like, just go, go on the trampoline for 15 minutes. It's amazing. They come back like new people. Yeah, they're all. (laughs) <laughs> oh, good. You left the evil twin outside. Yay. <laughs> I know. It's so true. Um, no. It's so great. you also talk about in this book, another big part of this, and Kristen and I love this because we talk about tribes all the time. You talk about building a dream team. Tell us a little bit about that. So it's, it's really just all about how you don't have to go through your career journey alone. You know, like so many of us feel like it's okay. It's, it's, it's all on me. And I really noticed this with founders who I invest in, you know, they always have their advisory boards. Like they bring in advisors to help fill different gaps. Um, And I think it's really important when you're going through your career, like to take the same kind of approach, you know, to bring in, whether it's mentors, champions, um, you know, people who can open up their networks to you, people who can be sounding boards, people who can call you out when you're like, you know, making a decision that's not aligned with your values, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, and I, and, and which is why I think it's important when I think about my tribe, it's not just colleagues, but it's also like a couple of people who I'm very close to on a personal level who really know me as a human being. Um, So I think it's, it's important to have those people in your life. And when you're really like stuck or, you're trying to make a decision, like just be able to pick up the phone, you know, and, and, and help and have them help you think through it. Um, it's just huge. It's a big part. I think about every promotion I've ever had any, any time that I made like a career pivot, like those big milestones, there was always somebody there helping me through mm-hmm. that, whether it was championing me, or supporting me by opening up their network, you know, like, so being really thoughtful about who those people are in your life. You know, I can fully attest to that. And actually well, we were doing so much catching up before we hit record that I didn't get to tell you this. And I'm, I'm happy that I can share it now for people that are listening that don't think that that's possible, that the dream team can help you. And as well as working within systems that are those giant systems that are still broken and having success. I didn't know how to raise my blind kids, right? So I had to build the dream team to do it. Well, Michael just graduated Penn State, summa cum laude, 
in two colleges. He was the college marshal. Like he had more success than anybody ever dreamed, but, and he got a lot of press about it. People have been calling and a lot of the Penn State alum, I would say it's, it's the productive cult of Penn State, right? They're all saying, oh, so Penn State is the college to go to as a blind person because only 15% of blind kids graduate college because the systems are so broken. Mm-hmm. Oh, Penn State's where to go for if you're blind. And I go, no, no college is built for blindness yet. You, but when you have the dream team, when you have those principles of success where you're going to take responsibility to make it happen and do all of the things and control what you can control. That's when you come out on the other side, huge. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. That's why I love that you put this in a workbook to keep the steps and keep it all clear, Yeah. but the systems stink. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're not going to get fixed anytime soon. Yeah. But when you do it as an individual and work on what you can control, that's when the beauty happens. When did you realize, like how old was Michael when you realized that you needed that team of people, that tribe? To be perfectly honest, and I'm very open about this, for the first three years of his diagnosis and of his life, I was in devastation mode and was not building a team. And it was Michael that made me realize, I love my life and I'm going to need some help here. So get your act together at three and a half years old. He said it much cuter than that. (laughs) But when I made that decision that my child, I'm going to get him everything he needs to live the life that he was destined to live. And then I I realized I, I don't know how to do it. So I had to find people. First, I started with who was doing what I wanted my boys to do, who was succeeding, who was 10 steps ahead of me. Uh, Eric Weimer had just climbed Mount Everest, first blind man. I went and found him. His dad still talks about my stalking capabilities to find him. (laughs) And I also looked at who's just a couple of steps ahead. Other moms whose kids were in elementary school doing okay, middle school. Mm -hmm. And then that's how I built that team. Now it's become this global team helping everybody. But I I just started very small and who's near me that I can, can help me. And, and honestly, Fran, you probably see this too, because Mary Fran and I see it all the time. People love to help you succeed. We think we're a bother and we're not. No. And I love the stalking, you know, it's like, I've done that (laughs) myself. I I really have. Like, I remember reading the book, Half the Sky by Nick Kristoff um, and Cheryl Wudun. And in the, at the back of the book, they talk about this organization called Global Giving um, which was really the fir- the world's first crowdfunding platform, and it was mm. for you know local grassroots non nonprofits that they were raising money for, and I was so intrigued by what they were doing, and I I stalked literally the CEO and founder of Global Giving. I I don't know how I found her email address somewhere online, but I remember emailing her and just saying, hey, I you know I work at People Magazine, and um I love what you're building. I would, I'd love to learn more about it and, and maybe be helpful. And she responded right away. The next time she was in New York, we met for coffee, you know, long story short, I ended up joining their board. Eventually I was on their board for 10 years, but like this idea of like, just being open and being curious Mm -hmm. and not feeling like scared to just do the cold call, like the cold email, the the outreach, Um, because you never know, like people respond like they do, they actually respond. So I just think so many people are afraid to be vulnerable and put themselves out there. And it, it pays off in spades. 
you know. Well, I'm really glad that you say that because I'm pretty sure you're here because I stopped you. <laughs> it all comes full circle, it, right? Mary Fran, where did you, I bet it was on LinkedIn. I bet you stalked me on LinkedIn. Well, I literally I saw your book at the Ocean City Public Library because I have a little tiny house in Ocean City and I'm a big library person because my house is this big and I can't keep all of the books in it that I want. So I, I was at the library one day and I, it was like this book jumped off the table at me. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Somebody's actually talking about how you can be nice and you don't have to be a shark. And like, there's all these predator images around there and you were just the opposite of that. And I was like, I got to get to know her. And then that was it. I was off, I was off to the races. So I'm not even sure how it started, but I was determined. And right. then, here we are, a three podcast episode. And here we are. <laughs> Fran says yes to our invites because she's afraid Mary Fran will show up at her door. <laughs> my address. Let's just keep them in the Zoom room, on the Zoom room. You know, one of the things that you just said that I really, that I really liked, and I'm taking copious notes here. You'll see me looking down because I'm writing, 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 writing. But one of the things that you said that um, talking about this team is someone that will call you out. And maybe say this is not the right decision because Kristen and I were talking before before we got on about some things that we were thinking that we wanted to do, some directions that we wanted to go in. And for one reason or the other, it, it didn't work out. And there's there does come that point. I mean, obviously, yes, you have to be persistent. You have to be you know focused. You have to plan. But you made a point about if it doesn't align with your values and I think sometimes you have to be willing to toss things and put them aside. And sometimes you need another voice to tell you that. Absolutely. Because it's hard when you've invested the time and energy into something to just walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and my whole thing is like, you're just saying no for now. Right. 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 Like you're, you're putting it off you're putting it off to the side. Maybe you're putting it like on a little parking lot kind of thing where it's just going to stay there. And maybe at some point it might resurface and it might make sense. You know, it might make sense based on where the world is, based on where you all are. But for right now, like now is not the right time. And that helps me take the pressure off just saying like, it's no for right now, you know, just just feeling like, okay, all that time and energy that I put into it um, it might still be valuable at, at some point, right? It doesn't have to be that immediate thing. So now tell us about, I really wanted to talk to you about copper books because that's a, that was a new, every time I talk to Fran, she has something new and amazing to share. And this was, this is an amazing platform. Tell us about this. I'm so excited about this platform. So Allison Trowbridge is the CEO and founder of this company, Copper Books. Um, She came to me, which by the way, the app just launched um, on May 5th. So it's in the app store. Um, But she came to me four years ago with this idea around really innovating in the book publishing space. And she wanted to create a platform that brings authors and readers together, um, you know, so that they can talk about the author's books and the authors can share, like if, I, if I'm looking at three different cover treatments for my book, like I can share those um, with my followers and ask them like what they think. And 
Um, so she came to me with this idea, you know, as an author and as an investor, I was really excited about it. Um, and I signed on as an advisor. Um, and it, you know, what happens with these startups, especially with technology startups is very often they pivot, you know? So it really took like four years to get the product to a place where they really felt that it was going to be offering features that both authors and readers want. Um, and I'm just so proud of what they've launched. Um, and there's so many more amazing features to come. You know, you always launch with a minimum viable product, mm -hmm. um, but it's it's super exciting. Um, it's beautiful. It's um, I'm excited to just use it as a platform to connect with readers. You know, as authors, we don't get access to who buys our books. Like, right. I don't know, like, on who's buying my books on Amazon. I'm not given that data. I don't know who's going into a bookstore and buying my book or who's going into a library, you know? So for the idea of like being able to connect directly with my readers is just incredible. So I'm very excited. I ended up investing in the business and I'm on their board. So out of the 30 companies that I'm an investor in, it's the only one where I'm actually on the board of directors. Um, that's how excited I am about it. So definitely check it out, download it. Um, it's, it's amazing. Copper books. Copper I'm going to check it out. Cause you're right. You don't get to find it. I'm like, why can't Amazon just have a little, Hey, if you also want to get this author's newsletter, like stay in touch somehow, but right. they don't, this is great that, well, I'm glad that they don't, because then this was able to, yeah, exactly. to come into the planet. And now we can, uh, and you know, what's funny you say about, you know, putting your cover choices out there. We do that on social media, but and it never fails that I get the comments from someone. I feel like saying, when was the last time you went in and chose a book at a bookstore? <laughs> like, And that's the thing, Kristen, like on social media, what I'm finding, especially with Instagram, and you know, I, I love Instagram, but it's different. Like I have so many different types of people following me on Instagram. Yes. Like it's not just people that read my books. Um, so that's one thing. And the other thing with Instagram is I feel like the content that does the best is more lifestyle type content, you know, yeah. like, oh, I'm at an event and I post a picture or I'm featured in a, ma in a magazine. I put, you know, that's the stuff that really performs the best on Instagram. So I, I really do see a place for, you know, having a platform where it's really about your books. That's what you're talking about. You know, that's what you're engaging in. And the other thing we're seeing with Copper, which is interesting, is that there are a lot of aspiring authors that are joining the platform. Um, and there's this live event feature. So like I actually have an event scheduled where I'm going to be sharing the three different ways that you can get your book published, you know, the traditional hybrid and self-publishing. Um, and a, a group of aspiring authors have signed up for the event. And it's like right in the app, but it's, it's, wow. event. it's really cool. It's limited to 11 people. So it makes it very intimate. Um, so it's almost like a clubhouse, but video, mm -hmm. you know, in video focused on books. Um, so it's, I, I'm really, I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm loving it. It, it actually that. brings to mind something else that you, that you talk about and in your workbook about realizing your career goals with clarity, intention, and confidence. And those two points of clarity and intention, the world is such a busy, loud, noisy place. 
So the whole idea, first of all, of having a workbook to reflect personally, but then when you start to bring in pieces of the world, choose carefully. <laughs> because like you were saying, you know, you, I mean, Kristen knows how I feel about social media. Like, just please, just, just take me to the dentist. I'd almost rather <laughs> This is why our this is why our skill sets are so complementary, but it's so easy to get overwhelmed. And it is really important to recognize that when you are choosing what parts of the world to bring in, to make sure that they fit your intention and that they fit your values and that they fit your career plan. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I, I think so often we get into this autopilot mode, mm-hmm. right? And the opposite of that is intentionality. And, you know, really being thoughtful and being intentional about where you put your time, where you put your energy um, and who you let in to your world. Who do you really want to spend time with? You know, who like during, I remember during lockdown, I made a list of the people that I really missed, you know, Mm. people that I really, really like, I missed seeing them and being with them and connecting with them. And I promised myself that, you know, once we, we got out of lockdown, that I was going to prioritize those people. I still have it. It's actually on my bulletin board. I'm looking at it um, because it is a very, it's, it, we're, we're like, I always say we're drowning in content in opportunities in, mm-hmm. right? Like there's just so much in noise. So being thoughtful, being intentional about where you want to spend your time and who you want to spend your time with is so important. Oh my gosh, we could talk to you all day. It's out of my head. I can't wait to dive in. I I love that we're chatting, but I cannot wait to dive into this platform. (laughs) Here's what I'm thinking, and I don't want to take us too long, but you know, I think that a platform like this is actually going to create better books. We're gonna have better books somewhere because here's the thing, and you know, from being an author, you want to solve people's problems, right? So for me, though, in the blind community. I have to be in a bunch of Facebook groups and at conferences and on all of the things to find out what are the next challenges that I need to help them with. And I'm like, my hair is standing up because I'm like, if I can go to one spot where I can, because you're right on Instagram, I have to, hey, (laughs) hey, I got new hair extensions. And here's a quote from my book. Like it's, it's, I'm not finding those people. I want to, what's resonating. And now that I can connect there to hear exactly what resonates and the problems we need to solve. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you to get in there and play with it too. Well, as I said, we could talk to you all day and then some, (laughs) so I want everybody to know where they can find you find the, the book, the workbook, and also the myth of the nice girl, which you really have to, if you're a nice person and you want to be a nice person and you want to put goodness out into the world, you need to read this book. Mm -hmm. Yes. So all of it is available on my website, franhauser.com and on social media at Fran underscore Hauser. Instagram mm-hmm. and Twitter, and I'm on, on LinkedIn too. And the books are really, you know, available everywhere. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, local bookstores, um, bookshop.org. So thank you both for your continued love and support and encouragement. Uh, it's just, it's, it's always so great to chat with you. Well, we feel the same way likewise, because we get so much out of it. You're so kind. Um, and, and again, as Kristen said, you really, you want to help people and, and your goal has always been to help 
move people forward. And we we just love that about you. So please, everybody, check out Fran Hauser. Check out both The Myth of the Nice Girl and the new workbook, Embrace the Work, Love Your Career. I'm going to turn it over to my partner because she remembers everything I forget. (laughs) (laughs) This has been so awesome. If you need more resources to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance, we highly recommend that you go after the most opened email we ever send. And that's the brilliance bit. And you'll see Fran landing in your inbox with the brilliance bit. Go to brilliantlyresilient.net, blink three times and a magic window appears. (laughs) Throw your email in there. That's all we ask. We can't handle any more information, just your email. And you will have a brilliance bit delivered to you every week to keep you living brilliantly resilient. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.